Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, September 18th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out how the Equifax breach might affect millions of people and what the state attorney general is doing in response. In our everyday tech segment, tips for outdoor technology. And a new trend in stealing someone's identity for medical treatment is growing quickly. How you can protect your information. Even the best defenses are not going to stop a determined hacker. So really anyone who has any card or participates in any program that uses a social security number, they need to be very careful about who gets that information. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is joining 31 states in an investigation of the credit monitoring firm Equifax. The company revealed a data breach that revealed the personal information of tens of millions of Americans, including more than 1.2 million Mississippians. Personal information, including social security numbers, names, birth dates, and addresses were all types of data exposed during the breach. Attorney General Jim Hood tells MPB's Ezra Wall the latest. To deal with Equifax, we've made some demands on them to try to make them better protect our consumers. This is uh, something that's going to affect pretty much all of us that have a credit card. You know, we're trying to make sure that they don't charge anybody uh, for any kind of credit monitoring and that they don't charge any fees for a credit freeze. We encourage people to do a freeze right now if you, if you have some concerns. But it takes a day or two lead time if you need to go borrow some money quickly. So, you know, you have to be prepared to deal with that. So, and I know, you know, people are concerned about this. It it happens so frequently, but this is the first that I've seen where it's, they've gotten into a credit bureau, which has all of our information, social security numbers. And you might even see people with your email address and they may be trying to email you more scams. These scam artists will take off different layers of our, our address, and then it may be two years down the road when they actually try to steal our identities, because usually a credit monitoring agreement is just for two years. And so the crooks have figured out they can wait you know, three years, and then they sell them. They sell your identities online uh, when people aren't monitoring their credit as closely. So well, this will be a long haul. This isn't a good development. And I know people are frustrated and they want law enforcement to do something about all the hacks that we're dealing with. And we recommend people check their credit more frequently now and report any suspicious activity on their credit card uh, to the credit card company or their bank as soon as possible. They can call our office, our 1-800 number for the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division is one 800 281-4418. We have a, you know, a few tips. We put out a press release. If anybody driving and unable to take down any of these tips, uh, they're welcome to go to aggmhood.com. And uh, that press release should be on our website. Who oversees the credit reporting agencies to make sure that they have the proper checks in place to make sure that our information is secure? These large corporations have no regulatory authority. Nobody regulates them. They don't respond even to the federal government. So 
we're dealing right now at a point in time in our history in America where, you know, unfortunately, we had to get our Congress to act, I think. A lot of these companies like uh, Facebook recently taking money from a Russian entity that they knew was a Russian entity to put fake news out on, on their website that, you know, influenced our presidential election. I think at some point we're going to start treating them like a, a utility, you know, just like we did for telephones and electricity and in some instances cable to regulate it. But somebody needs to go to jail over this one, though, because that is the vault. That's Fort Knox of our data information is one of those three credit reporting agencies. And we're going to hold them accountable and try to make sure in the future that there's some government regulatory entity that oversees that they actually install these patches when they receive them from a software company. If people are still unsure of whether they've been affected or the extent to which they've been affected, how, how can they find out? Here's the best rule of thumb. You probably won't see somebody try to apply for a credit card in your name anytime, you know, in the next, say, month or so. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't check, you know. So what you need to do is to check your, your credit report. You can get a free credit report and, and just keep a check of, on your credit report you know, every month or so, watch your credit card bills, particularly when your mail comes in, uh, if it's some kind of credit card bill, which is maybe not a company you you deal with, you make sure you don't just throw it away. Just kind of take a look at it. So you just have to be kind of careful. I'll probably get a credit freeze placed on my accounts so that I know that nobody can go borrow money, you know, using my name. So I recommend credit monitoring that people more closely uh, check their uh, credit reports, and third, doing a credit freeze. How long before we'll know whether they're going to honor that request or whether some other action is going to need to be taken? I think we will get get some concessions from them of disable uh, those links where they try to charge people. Yeah, that's awful for them to try to charge you for credit monitoring when they're the ones that cause the reason for you to need to monitor in the first place. I mean, it, it was that ludicrous. And the company's response was just awful. But the problem is, you know, it affects us consumers for two, three, four, five years down the road. You know, it's going to take some kind of legislation from Congress, I think, to make them begin to be more responsive to people's privacy. Attorney General Jim Hood, thanks for uh, helping us make some sense of a tricky situation. All right. Thank you. In response to the breach, Equifax now says their chief information officer and chief security officer are leaving the company. Coming up, much attention is focused on preventing identity theft to safeguard finances, but medical identity theft can be just as devastating. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Bradley Law Firm, supporting TEDx Millsaps College, an event showcasing innovation through movement. TEDx Millsaps will take place September 30th at Millsaps College. More information at millsaps.edu TEDx. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilkes Contraire, and today we're discussing outdoor technology. So, Wilkes, when we talk about outdoor technology, what exactly comes to mind? One of the first things I think about when I'm going outdoors is the technology that's going to help to make me safe, to help keep me safe, to make sure that not only do I go outdoors, but I actually come back indoors. And one of the things that comes to mind on that is just so much of the advancements today in GPS technology. You know, not only can we use the GPS or global positioning system to help find locations, but it can also make sure that we return to locations. I watch plenty of shows and listen to plenty of news reports where people have went out into the woods and and become lost. And there's so many things today that can help prevent that from being a problem. 
Another thing that's really been a hit lately, I mean, I'm sure some of us have seen the Fitbit and other health trackers that we're all using that kind of helps to keep up with how many steps are we doing and making sure we're staying active. So as, as the weather has turned nicer for us to be able to go outside and not necessarily walk out into a wall of sweat and to mosquitoes, we really can take these things along with us to make sure that we're enjoying it. And another neat thing is there's a lot of technology, a lot of apps that are actually running on your phone that can actually help you to discover areas outside to go and explore. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of folks who are more outdoorsy be able to take advantage of are things such as solar panels. We're really seeing solar panels come into being Instead of just a novelty, they're almost becoming a requirement. So now you can actually go out and you can keep your phone or your GPS or your radio or these other items charged by just simply you know, taking along a very small, very compact solar panel with you. On top of that, and sometimes you don't think about this as technology, but just the technology and the clothes that we take outside. We're seeing a lot more things that are able to be breathable, but at the same time be waterproof or water resistant. So that's keeping people safer when they're out there, because the last thing you want to do is walk for a couple of miles with wet feet. That's just an absolutely miserable feeling. And even just the technology of some of the coolers these days, you know, people who are going out camping, people who are going out fishing for the day or what have you, the ability to keep their food not only protected and cool, but also to keep it from other critters getting into it. I mean, you know, you've got all kinds of of things out there that would love to get a hold of your ham and cheese sandwich. And so just the technology of those devices, these better coolers that are being built, for example, that are actually keeping things out. So technology plays a big part in helping your camping trip be successful. Well, it really does. And I think what we need to think about with technology on this is that it goes beyond just the phone that you might carry around there with you. There are so many advancements that are being made to make it safer, to make it more enjoyable, to make it more accessible to people that you don't have to be some, you know, hardcore camping guru that the average person can go out and they can enjoy what the outdoors has to offer without a lot of the concerns and a lot of the worry that may would go along with it. So hunting season is closely approaching. What are some gadgets that can keep hunters safe this year? Well, a lot of the folks that I know that are into hunting, one of the main tools that they utilize is a tree stand. Well, a tree stand, of course, is you're, you're elevating yourself off the ground, so making sure that you have proper fall protection. There's been a lot of advancements in that to make sure that someone will not fall and hurt themselves out of some of these devices. And we also can't underestimate the role that GPS plays for our hunters today. Not only will it help them to locate themselves and go from point A to point B safely, but it can also provide a method for their loved ones to find them as well in case there's any kind of problems that come up. So whether you're going out for the day for a long hike among the many nature trails that are out there, or you want a peaceful weekend of camping with the family in a state park, or even if you're in the pursuit of some elusive game as you're coming into the hunting season, we just got to remember that the outdoors offers us plenty of opportunities and technology offers those opportunities as well to make sure that not only do we have a fun time, but that we also do it safely. We will talk more about outdoor technology on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Contraire, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Today on Now You're Talking with Marsha Ramsey, our guest will be Renee Smith-Mater. 
Tune in as she tells a heartfelt story of being adopted from an orphanage during the Vietnam War. We'll also chat about the latest headlines in the Weekend Roundup. So join us today at 10 for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, only on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians may find it valuable to protect their personal health care information. A 2015 study by the Medical Identity Theft Alliance estimated annual medical fraud in the U.S. ranges from $80 billion to $230 billion. Almost 30 percent of the victims do not find out about the identity theft until a year later, and most find it difficult to resolve those issues. Experts say medical identity theft occurs when a thief steals personal information to use to obtain medical care by prescription drugs or commit Medicare fraud in the victim's name. Susan Cosgrove is a family resource management area agent with the Mississippi State University Extension Service in Newton County. She says medical identity theft has become more valuable to criminals than financial identity theft. She tells us why. One thing that makes this more challenging than financial identity theft is it's just a little more complicated to overcome, and it can be a little harder to detect. If someone steals your medical identity, what are they doing with it? Medical identity theft occurs when somebody steals your personal information to do basically three different things. They can obtain medical care, they can get prescription drugs, or they can commit medical fraud in your name. Now, medical identity theft, it's really become more valuable to criminals than financial identity theft. Why is that? I think maybe one reason is because health care has gotten to be so expensive. And there was a 2015 study by the Medical Identity Theft Alliance, and it estimated that annual medical fraud in our country ranges from 80 to $230 billion. And it also says that about 30% of the victims don't find out about this until a year later. What is someone's medical identity? It's basically our health insurance numbers and our, our medical records. Someone can steal your insurance information, go get a, I don't know, a hysterectomy, and then they can charge it to you? They file it with your insurance company? Yes, that that is one thing that is happening. People are getting surgery or getting medical procedures, and it is being charged to someone else. Can the insurance company tell that there has been a theft? It's very important that we check our statements, our insurance statements, everything that we get to be sure that what we are charged for are procedures or, you know, things that we have actually had done. Because sometimes our medical statements have the itemized list are very long, and we need to be sure 
that everything that we have been charged for or everything that our insurance is paying for are things that we actually had done. Susan, what can we do to prevent it? Because, you know, every time we go to the doctor's office, they ask for your insurance information. They ask for that insurance number. So there are times you have to give it out. How, how do you keep it? We, from... we do. We just need to be sure that we're following up, checking on our records, you know, on what we get. Those of us with Medicare, we need to protect our Medicare number and our Social Security numbers. We need to remember that nothing is ever free as far as our medical care, too. We need to use a calendar. We need to record when we have our doctor's appointments, what tests or procedures that we have, and we need to match up our either Medicare or our billing statements to be sure that the services listed and the dates on our calendars match. And also, you know, if we're in the hospital, make sure that the admission dates, discharge dates, diagnosis, and all of these things are correct. When we do go in for procedures, we need to be careful that we don't just tell what those numbers are, insurance, Medicare numbers. We can show the receptionist at the desk, but we need to be careful to not let other people see this because we never know who's going to be looking or listening that can get those numbers. How is a thief most likely to get your medical information? Unfortunately, there have been some to be discovered that happens within some of our health care provider systems themselves. So that's why we have to be careful ourselves to check our records. If you find a charge that is mysterious or you don't know what it is, what is your next step? What do you do? Well, medical identity theft is a crime, and it should be reported immediately when it's detected. And the first place that we would start would be by filing a police report. And then we can get additional help through the Federal Department of Health and Human Services Office and the Inspector General and the Federal Trade Commission. But this, as well as the financial identity theft, you know, it's it's so unfortunate that the proof and then the recovery, you know, all of that's still going to be up to the victim to do something. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of hard work, but that's why we have to be diligent in keeping an eye out and monitoring things and being very careful with our personal information all the time. Susan Cosgrove is a Family Resource Management Area agent with the Mississippi State University Extension Service in Newton County. Susan, thank you very much for being with us. You're so welcome. Some people learn they're victims of identity theft when they spot discrepancies on their medical records or when they're unexpectedly turned away for routine care. Bill Moak is a consumer protection columnist. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier some medical practices are still adapting to changes in technology. One thing that's happened is uh, a lot of physician medical practices have been trying to comply with laws uh, requiring electronic medical records. And in the old days, uh, doctors' offices and medical practices kept paper records, which could be stolen if someone broken in, but otherwise they were pretty safe and secure unless somebody just got a hold of, a, of the paperwork. But now we've seen that uh, databases which contain this information can be compromised. As we saw with the Equifax breach just a few days ago, it's apparent that even companies that try to secure data are having a difficult time doing that. 
So do you think the move to computerize everything is the wrong thing to do now that we have this problem? Overall, the intent of getting medical records digitized and made available uh, is going to ultimately help patients. And so it's not a reason to stop doing that. But it is a reason to be extra careful with those records. And so what would you suggest hospitals do, doctors' offices do, to protect people's information? It's very important that you limit, first of all, the number of people who have to view a particular record. No one should be seeing those records who doesn't have a reason, a valid reason to do so. Secondly, you should make sure that you have some good digital security procedures in place. And you're going to have to probably go beyond what you might normally use at home. You need some really strong security procedures. It's not a 100% guarantee, but it's going to be more difficult for thieves to get in if they have to go around security. There, this should be multi-level, multi-layer security as well. So there's not just one breach in the, in the fence and they're in. Things like two-factor authentication. Authentication requires that you have more than one question or barrier to getting through to the data. That might be providing some information about the user or a particular password, but then also maybe a verification through some other means, such as an email or a uh, cell phone verification. Would that stop someone from in the office sharing insurance card information, personal information with someone else maybe and getting paid for it? Because that's a scary thing. Having someone on the inside to help collude with criminals is uh, is scary, and it can really bypass or negate the effects of any security measures that are in place. So you have to make sure that you can trust the people that are working for you and handling information and make sure they know the stakes. Make sure they know that not only is it illegal and unethical, but it can also result in legal problems and the loss of their job. People who handle medical information or uh, have a much higher level of responsibility. HIPAA and other laws that protect patient information hold you to a high standard. And it's very important that you understand the risks and the stakes of not taking appropriate actions. And so it's important, first of all, that you run background checks on people who are going to be working for you and um, make sure they have the training they need to protect that information. Well, one of the frustrating things about all of this to me is that the onus is on the victim to get it straightened out and trying to unravel what someone else has done. Identity theft victimizes people twice, at least, because there's the initial event in which you steal information, but then you make them be responsible for something they had no part in in the first place. Victims of identity theft often have to spend years explaining and defending themselves in court sometimes. Victims of medical identity theft can even find themselves billed for practices or for medical services they never received. Uh, Really, the best thing you can do is just to exercise extreme caution. And if you feel like you are a victim, report it immediately, first of all, to the provider, but also to the appropriate law enforcement. Bill Moak, we really appreciate you talking with us about this. Thank you, Desiree. Victims of medical identity theft can receive help through the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Inspector General, and the Federal Trade Commission. 
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.